So we are in the holiday seasons. I don't know about you, but uh, you know, I, I drove by the mall uh, this past week, and I was like, oh, why did I go this way? Because there are a lot of different ways to get home, and I went by the South Shore Mall, and just traffic. Like, that's the one thing that I do not like about the holiday season is just traffic and lines everywhere you go, especially the mall, because everyone's looking for that perfect gift, right? You're shopping online. I, I do all mine online. Forget going to the stores because it can be crazy. But shopping online, I'm looking for that perfect gift. And so we've, we've all got the bad gift because there's nothing worse than getting a bad gift, right? Maybe giving a bad gift is bad, but getting a bad gift is bad. How many of you have gotten a bad gift at Christmas? How many of you are sitting next to the person that gave it to you? No, don't raise your hand. You but like you get a bad gift. So I love my wife's side of the family. They're great people. Uh, but her grandparents, uh, Grandpa Brian is turning 100 next September. Yeah, good genes there. Uh, I wish they were giving genes because they give horrible presents. Like I think they walk around their house going, what do we not need? What doesn't work? Let's give it to Ken. Like, no, I kid you not, every single year I get something that's broke or missing pieces. It's like, and then you'll find out the backstory. It's like, yeah, we were at this yard sale and we saw this and we thought of you. It's like, it's, it's broke. Do you think I'm broken? Do you, like, it's missing pieces and it's, it's from 1920, so I can't even fix it. So we have a running joke in our family because there was a gift they gave me, like, one of the very first Christmases. So I'm opening up my presents. He's a golfer. I'm a golfer. So sure enough, I think I'm getting golf stuff. I open it up, and it's a snow globe. You're like, oh, that's nice. No, 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 no. It's a snow globe of a drunk guy on New Year's Day. Like, he's got the little thing. He's like, ah. And there's this much liquid in the snow globe. Like, you can't even shake it. Like, there's a crack somewhere, and they, that's what they gave me. And so for years, it, it finally broke or whatever, but we would, it would travel. Like, every year, someone would get it. It was the gad gift because it was a horrible gift. But I'm sure you've gotten a good gift. And what makes a gift good? Like, there's a lot of different things. For some people, it's like, the more you spend, the, the better the gift. And that's not necessarily true. Like, I've gotten really good gifts that didn't cost a whole lot, simply because they put thought into it, intentionality, or because they knew me and they knew what I enjoyed and all that. So when you get a good gift, there's a different response. So I want to invite you into uh, the Knott's Christmas of 2019 so you can see how a person responds when they get the perfect gift. Watch this video. It's a photo display. <laughs> <laughs> She's not convinced. That's how you know you've given the right gift. Now, I didn't put a cat in a box and give it to them. That would be really, really bad. So this is a picture of a kitten. And uh, it's something they've been asking for. And I'm being like, no, no, we are not cat people. <laughs> Guess what? We're cat people because we just got a second one. Last week, my daughter comes home with this kitten. I'm like, oh, we're cat people. Oh, pray for me. At Christmas time, we got a new kitten in our house. Like, it's destroying everything. 
But it wasn't something they were expecting, but it was something that they wanted. And when we finally got her name's Noel, because we got her at Christmas, how appropriate, uh, it, it just made all the difference. And so we are talking about the gift this Christmas season, because there's been one gift that's been given to all of mankind that has made the difference and changed the course of human history. And so we're talking about that through the month of December. So the next three weeks, we're looking at the three different gifts that the Magi gave um, Joseph and Mary. And so you might not know this, and I hope it doesn't ruin your Christmas, but there's a couple of things about the Magi that are misconceptions. For instance, a lot of people think there's just three Magi, because in your nativity scene, there's only three, right? Most nativity scenes have three. Most scholars think there were a lot more, and it makes sense when they traveled for almost a year to get where the baby was born, three guys traveling with gold and expensive stuff, at some point, they're going to get jacked. So there was a larger group than just three guys riding camels trying to find a baby. But don't throw out your nativity scene just because it has three. Probably only three came inside to give the presents. And then a lot of people think, well, you know what? Uh, they came when Jesus was a baby. Like they walked in, the manger's there. Actually, the, the, most scholars believe that Jesus was a lot older than just an infant. And we're going to read a passage in, this, in, in Matthew that sort of talks about that. So I know that's a misconception. I hope I'm not ruining Christmas for you, but that's not the biggest story of Christmas. And the third thing that you might not know is that these dudes were like into essential oils. Yeah, Matthew chapter 2. It says, and then they saw the star. They were filled with joy. They entered the house not the manger scene. They entered the house and they saw the child, not the infant, with Mary. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened their treasure chests and they gave three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Two of the three gifts are essential oils. So my wife is in essential oils. Anybody else into essential oils? Okay, there's enough people where I can't make fun of this stuff. In the first service, no one, so I made fun of essential oils. But this is my wife's essential oil, and it's frankincense. So if you've never like, gotten a, a whiff of frankincense, see me after the service, and I'll let you smell it. It actually has a very nice smell. But each oil that's in the, my wife's suitcase carry kit that she has, each oil has a different property that has healing effects. And so this has been something that's been a part of the human history. Like this has been around since the Old Testament, so 4,000 4, years. So my wife has lavender, which helps you to sleep. It smooths your skin. Uh, uh, it has anxiety pro uh, properties that helps with anxiety. There's peppermint. Like you just thought that that was something that was in a candy cane. No, peppermint is, is good for mental health, alertness. Uh, um, there's uh, frankincense and eucalyptus. How many of you know have ever smelt eucalyptus? Like I've been in a dry sauna where someone has poured eucalyptus. That burns your eyes. Opens your sinuses for sure. But man, that, that stuff is really, really strong. But frankincense is also part of the essential oils, but it's also something that, that these men brought because there's significance, not just medically behind it, but spiritually behind it. So according to the Torah, we're going to read a couple of passages that talk about what is the significance behind this oil that these non-Jewish men bring to Jesus. Why would they do that? In Exodus chapter 30, it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather the fragrant spices, resin drops, mollusk shells, and gall balm, and mix these fragrant spices with frankincense. Weigh them out equal amounts, using the usual techniques of the incense maker, 
Blend the spices together and sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy incense. Grind some of the mixture into a very fine powder and put it on the front of the altar, the Ark of the Altar, Ark of the Covenant, where I will meet you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as holy. So as, this, as the priests are putting all these ingredients together, God says that the frankincense and what they put together is holy. Later in that chapter, he says, it's just for me. Like, I'm keep, you can have all the other essential oils, but the frankincense is for me. And if you actually offer it to yourselves or make it for yourselves, he says, I will cut you off. That's, pretty, that's a pretty big deal, because God's saying, this is, this is for me. Which it didn't, it didn't dawn on me till last night that these men are offering it to Jesus. So the fact they're offering something that's only should be given to God they are saying that they recognize as non-Jewish people that this is God. Like, that's when a light bulb went on. I was like, oh, I'm going to share that because I just learned something. Like, that's part of the significance of them offering this. It's like, just giving frankincense? That'd be weird. It'd be like, like last week we talked about nard. Like, that was, like, why would, why would that make any difference? Like, frankincense, why would you bring that for a baby? Like, what, what's the significance behind that? But there actually is... Tremendous significance. It's something that the priest use as an offering to God. So we're going to be looking at a little bit at the Old Testament and the, the role that the priests play because it has significant impact in our lives today. So hopefully it'll give us a greater appreciation, one, for who Jesus was, and two, like what he does in our life. So the Old Testament priest, if you're not familiar, Jesus or God set up this system where the Jewish people would bring sacrifices to a priest. And the priest would offer the sacrifice, an animal, grain offering, a liquid offering, different types of sacrifice, depending on the sin they were asking forgiveness for. And the priest would offer that sacrifice to God. And that, that sacrifice would cover the sin. It wouldn't take away the sin. It would cover the sin uh, for that time period. And then, two, the second job that the priest had was he would pray for the people. And part of that was the incense. They would make us up the incense. And the Bible says that the incense would rise. And because it was mixed with different um, oils, that it was a sweet-smelling savor to God. Like, like that would fill God's nostrils and be like, that's an awesome prayer. And I think that's a beautiful picture of like when we pray, God's not up in heaven going, oh, it's Ken again. What does he want? No, like when I pray to God and I'm praying according to God's will, it's like he enjoys me talking to him. It's a sweet smell to him. But these high priests and these priests, they were temporary pictures of something that would become permanent. And so they were bridges between God and man. Because God is holy and we are not. God is perfect and we are not. God is set apart, and our sin separates us from God. And so they just couldn't walk into God's presence going, hey, we're here. He's like, no, I, there has to be this distinction between us because of your sinfulness. And I know that we don't always think about our sinfulness and how it separates us. We, oh, it's, a, it's a mistake, or it's just whatever. No, God sees our sin as very serious, so much so that he sets up this system so that our sins can be dealt with. But it was temporary until the permanent priest would show up. In Philippians chapter 2, it says this, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took a humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. 
Then he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus is that permanent priest. And what's so cool about this Old Testament, it's actually a picture of what Jesus would eventually do. And they understood that, which is why they would look for a, a priest. So when they, under, they understood that the sacrifice that they made, eventually someday God would provide himself a lamb that would take away the sins of the world. And the Old Testament even talks about that. So when they were looking for the Messiah, they were looking for a priest. They were looking for someone who would fulfill the priestly role. So they were constantly looking for this. They understood that the sacrifice that he would offer one day would actually take away the sins of the world. And the frankincense that these non-Jewish men offer God is showing that they understood, however they understood, uh, and we may talk about that later in this series, how they understood that this was actually the Son of God. But they offered them, Jesus, something that only God should receive. And it's something that only the priest would have handled and offered to God. And so there's significant implications of that that took place 2,000 years ago that impact our life today. A lot of times we'll read stories in the Bible like, oh, cute story, but what does that mean to me? And I'm sure you've read this story of the three different gifts and gone, oh, the weird gifts. I mean, I wouldn't enjoy frankincense, myrrh. Gold, on the other hand, yeah. But why do they give these gifts? Is it just coincidence? No. These are there's specific reasons why they were given, and they're put in the Bible. And I think it helps us, one, understand the story better, but two, everything that has implications in our life. There's three, th three implications that affect us today and how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. And here's the first one. Jesus is our permanent high priest. Jesus is our permanent high priest. Where they, the high priest during that day, I mean, there was different high priests, different years. Um, they would... You know, it was, if it was your turn, it was your turn. You're, you were up. But Jesus is a permanent high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. So the writer of Hebrews, and from Hebrews 4 through actually 10, uh, there's different passages in there where he talks about the high priest, the significance of the high priest, and the differences between the Old Testament high priest and who Jesus is. So this is what the Bible says about the priest. Hebrews chapter 5. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. He's able to deal gently with their ignorant and wayward people because he himself is just a human being and he's ignorant and he's wayward as well. He has the same weaknesses. That's why he must offer sacrifice for himself, his sin, before he offers the sacrifice for others. Chapter 7. Now it's referring to Jesus. He is the kind of high priest that we need because he's holy and blameless. I mean, he's not like the earthly priest. He's different. He's unstained by sin. He's been set apart from sinners as he's been given the high priest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices for himself because he never sinned. Uh, it's unlike the high priest. He doesn't need to do it every day. It says, uh, they did this for their own sin first and then the sins of other people. But Jesus, he offered his sacrifice himself as a sacrifice for all people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness 
But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son has been made a perfect high priest forever. So while this system was temporary, and it pointed to Jesus, so the sacrifices itself, while they covered their sins, the Bible says that Abraham was justified, made right with God by his faith, meaning that he trusted in the, the system that God had set up, the sacrifices would make him right. So it was just as much faith in the Old Testament, believing they were made right with God the same way it is today. It's the faith in the sacrifice of Jesus that makes us right with God. So it's by faith. But the Old Testament system is, was temporary. It wasn't meant to be permanent. It was temporary, pointing to something that would be greater until Jesus Christ showed up. There's some more differences between Christ and the other priest. Hebrews chapter 10. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So those sacrifices did not make them holy, covered their sins, but did not make them holy. Under the old covenant, the priest stood and ministered before the altar day after day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again and again, which, came, which could never cover their sins. It could never take away their sins. But our high priest, Jesus, the perfect high priest, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin, good for all times. That's why we don't have to continue to offer sacrifices today. He did it once and for all. He says, uh, he awaits until his enemies are, are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by one offering, he has forgiven and made perfect all those who are being made holy. So the writer of Hebrews is wanting us to see the, the differences between the Old Testament and the priest and what they did so that we have a greater appreciation for who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's the significance behind the uh, Magi offering this frankincense so that we would understand that it's not just a cute little baby. Yes, he is God, but he's also our high priest. And he's the perfect high priest. So now that we have, now we have access to God. The second implication of Jesus being our high priest is that he sympathizes with our weakness. Because he's a high priest, he understands us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same temptations that we do, but he never gave in to the temptation. He never sinned. And that's important that he understands us, because some people have this picture of God is so distant, there's no way he could understand us. He's so holy, and we are so unholy. How can he understand us? But he understands us. And because he understands us, it gives us great joy. There's a Swedish proverb that says, Shared joy is double joy. So when you share your joy with somebody that understands it, it's like it doubles the impact. But shared sorrow cuts the sorrow in half because now they're able to help you carry the sorrow, which is why like support groups are so effective because people are going to a group where everyone else is struggling with addictions or alcoholism or whatever because when you go to somebody and they're experiencing the same thing and they're working through it, like... That, that's helpful, rather than talking to somebody who's never been through addiction. Like, you, if you've been through a divorce and you're helping somebody going through a divorce, it's, it's helpful, right? If you've lost your business, if you've filed for bankruptcy, any difficulty that you've gone through, when you have somebody that's been through that same exact stuff, it helps. And all that Hebrews is saying here is that 
when you're going through difficult times, you have a high priest. Yes, he's perfect. Yes, he's the son of God, but he understands perfectly what you're going through. God is not unsympathetic with what we're going through. As a matter of fact, he understands us better than we understand ourselves. And he is attracted to us. Like when you read the Gospels, Jesus was always hanging out with people that the religious people wouldn't hang out with. Why? Because he understood that they had nothing to offer him. Where the religious people thought, I'm a pretty good person, so you're you're privileged in hanging out with me. Where the, the people who were notorious sinners, they're like, dude, I mean, this guy shouldn't even be at my house. And Jesus loved that about them. Because they understood their brokenness, and he accepted them in their brokenness. So I want you to know, because Jesus is our high priest, he understands you. And so you can come into his presence. Which leads me to the third implication of Jesus being our high priest. We can boldly go into his presence. You see, the priest, the high priest, would enter the Holy of Holies one time of year on the Day of Atonement. And he would offer sacrifices for the entire nation of Israel. But he only did it one time of year. And he would go into the Holy Holy. So if you weren't a high priest, you couldn't go in. And only one high priest was chosen every single year. So Elizabeth, um, John the Baptist's dad, was a high priest. And while he's in there, because it was his job to do the, the, he got chosen for it, the angel comes to him and says, hey, your wife Elizabeth is pregnant and you're going to have a son. So he, after he gets done, he goes home and he confirms, like, yes, she's pregnant. That's awesome. But the high priests were different than just the ordinary priests that would offer different types of sacrifice. They had different garments. So I read where their garments, on the bottom of their garments, they had these little tassels. And attached to the tassels were bells. And the, the high priest that was chosen to go into the Holy of Holies, he would go in, but they would tie a rope around his leg. Because as long as they heard the bells moving, he was alive. If he sinned in the presence of God or did something that he wasn't supposed to do, like touch the Ark of the Covenant, he would be killed. There's a story in the Old Testament where they're moving the Ark of the Covenant. And you're not supposed to touch the Ark of the Covenant. So it had rings on the outside, and so they put poles through it, and they would carry the Ark. They never touched it. But the story is told where this animal trips, and the ark looks like it's going to fall. And so some guy reaches out to touch it, and the Bible says he was killed immediately. So that's a pretty intense job. Like, I'm in here. No one else is in here. just me in the presence of God. And if I do something wrong, like I spill something, it's like, oh, too much frankincense, and you have a bad thought. Like, that's pressure, right? You spill something, you're like, oh, man, that's... Like, that's just a lot of pressure. And that's what the high priest did. He came into the presence of God. Well, Jesus, when he ought, so Jesus is not only the high priest, he's the sacrifice. He offers himself. When Jesus dies on the cross, the Bible says that that, that, that veil that the high priest could go behind, the Bible says that God tore that. And the reason that he tore it is now he's saying, you have access. Where the high priest only had access one time a year into my presence, Now, because of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, him being your high priest, you have access and you can come boldly into his presence. Hebrews 4.16. So now let us come boldly into the presence of the the throne of grace of God. It says, there you will receive mercy. You will find grace to help us when we need it most. 
Notice that it says you can boldly come. It doesn't say you can come arrogantly. It doesn't say you come to God and go, hey, I came to church today. You owe me. Like that is not the position or the posture that you want to have when you talk to God. But the boldness is that I can confidently come to God knowing that he hears me and he doesn't see me as my broken and sinful self. He sees me through the high priest, Jesus Christ, and it's his righteousness, it's his goodness that he sees me and so he will receive me. That's the confidence that we have. I want to share a picture with you that I think perfectly illustrates how we can confidently come into the presence of Jesus. How many of you have seen this picture before? Okay. Uh, this is President Kennedy. Uh, this is taken in 1963 at the height of the, um, the Cold War. And we're, uh, he, he, this is where he's, I mean, he's doing like presidential things. Like this is his desk. And uh, this is where, um, you know, bills are signed. This is where like world, world decisions are made. And in the midst of this nuclear crisis that's going on at the time, his son is comfortable in his presence. Like he's hanging out with his dad, the most powerful person, arguably, at that time. And to him, it's just his dad. And notice that his dad's like, hey, son, man, like the, the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Like I've, I've got to have my focus here. no. Because he's a good dad and he loved his son, he allowed his son in his presence, and it wasn't, it wasn't a distraction. It's not like when you come to God in prayer, God's like, oh, what do you want? Like, I'm busy here. I'm God. Like, I, the world is on my shoulders. Like, I, I don't have time for you. And sometimes that's the way we feel. I mean, I, I know I felt that way. It's like, I don't want to bother God with this. Maybe I should just take care of this myself. And God's like, no, I want you to come into my presence. And I want you to talk to me about the things that are going on in your life. And just like John Jr. was confident and comfortable going into his father's presence, it's a beautiful picture of how God invites us into his presence. But the only reason that we are even allowed into God's presence is because we have a high priest who sacrificed himself to pay for our sins that allows us to come in. So every time we read the Christmas story and we just gloss over that frankincense was one of the gifts that was given to Joseph and Mary, let it be a reminder to us that there is significance behind this gift that has implications in our lives and in the lives of people that come after us. That Jesus is a high priest that has made a way, permanently made a way, for us to be made right with God. So I said that the high priest had two jobs. One's the sacrifice. The other one was to pray. So in John chapter 17, so I'm giving you homework this week. Read John chapter 17. John chapter 17, the title of my Bible says, Jesus' high priestly prayer. So right before Jesus is being crucified, he prays for his disciples but he also prays for us. And that's the part of the prayer that I want to pray because I want you to see what our priest is praying for for us even today. Uh, verse number 18. Just as you have sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying, so he's praying for his disciples. Verse 20. I'm praying not only for these disciples, 
but also for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. So while Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, in his position as high priest, he is praying for us. And this is what his prayer is for us. Verse 21, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, that they may be one in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and they are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you've sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That is Jesus' prayer for us today, that you experience his love through the interaction with each other in unity. Like Jesus is seated at the right hand of God because that's something else that the, that the priest wouldn't do. While he was working, he never sat down. But to sit down meant that what I've done is complete. So they couldn't sit down because it was never complete. It had to be done over and over and over and over again. Jesus offers his life a perfect sacrifice, perfect sacrifice because he's God. And then he has been sitting ever since his crucifixion because he's the perfect high priest. A couple of application points, something that I want you to take away from today's teaching. Here's the first. Jesus is on your side. You don't have to continue to punish yourself. Because Jesus is your high priest, he has taken the punishment for our sins. So you don't have to keep beating yourself up over your past mistakes, the hangups that you have, the addiction, the divorce, whatever it is. Like Jesus says, I've forgiven that. If you've given it to me, I've forgiven that. And I think sometimes we forget. And so we keep beating ourselves up. We keep feeling shame and keep feeling guilt. If you would just recognize that your high priest has already offered the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice to cover that, then you can give it to God and let it go. The second application that you need to know is that Jesus understands you. Because he's the perfect high priest, he understands you, so you don't have to hide from God. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. It's like, I'm just so embarrassed by the decision that I made or what I got myself into, the mistake that I made that I, I just want to hide. And sometimes we want to hide from God. You don't have to hide from God. He understands you. He understands your brokenness. And he still invites you into his presence. Now, he wants to transform you. He doesn't want you to stay the same, which is why he wants that relationship with you. But he understands you. He understands your brokenness. He understands the things that you struggle with. You don't have to hide from him. The prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son is a perfect example how he's constantly waiting for us to turn and come back to him. You don't have to hide. And the last thing you need to know is that Jesus has made a, has made a way possible for you to go directly to God. Like you, you don't have to wait. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to another person. You don't have to come to a pastor. You have direct access to God the Father. And it's not because you're a good person. It's because Jesus Christ is good. And his death severed that veil that kept us distant from God. 
that allows us into his presence. So maybe you're here today and you need to hear that God is for you. He's not against you. That he understands you and still accepts you. And he wants you to come to him on a daily basis and be as confident as John Jr. going into the president's office that you will be accepted and welcomed and loved. That's who God is and that's who Jesus is. So as you read the Christmas story and you read about frankincense, let it remind you that Jesus is just more than a baby in a manger. He is your high priest that has made a way for you to be made right with God. Let's pray. God, I love when you, when you reveal things in scriptures that many times we overlook. I've read the Christmas story hundreds of times. And I've read about frankincense and myrrh and gold and have never really understood the spiritual significance of these gifts. They're not random. Like, they are specific. And they have implications for our life today. This simple oil that was used in the Old Testament, a system that we don't use anymore, so for us, we don't even think about, has has spiritual implications in our life because Jesus is our high priest. And everything that the priest did in the Old Testament, he does in our lives today, offering up prayers, offering his life as a sacrifice because he is the Son of God. And God, maybe today, for the very first time, someone understands that all that Jesus went through so that they can have a personal relationship with him. And maybe today they will receive the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive, the most thoughtful, the most personal, the most extravagant gift, salvation. Offered to them at extreme price, which is Jesus Christ's life, but free for us. If they would simply turn from their sin and call on you to be their Savior, their Lord, their High Priest. God, for those who have done that and we're followers of Jesus, God, many times we just forget to come into your presence until we need something. And God, you want more than just us coming to you when we need something. God, you want interaction every single day because you want us to know you. You know everything about us, but you want us to know you. And conversations and and connection is important for us to have that. So God, help us as we go through the holiday season not to be distracted by the different presents that we're buying or the traditions that we have, but God, that we truly would focus on the meaning of this holiday, the significance of Christ's coming, Emmanuel, God with us, but the implications of our life, that we have a Savior, God that was willing to leave heaven, come to earth so that he could be our our physical high priest to bridge the gap between our sinfulness and your holiness. God, help us to remember that as we're celebrating your son's birth and allow that to be our focus and what we share during this holiday season. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.